Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. All right, let's get to it. Mitch Harper, kind enough to join us, uh, Cougar Insider for kslsports.com. Mitch, how are you? Hey, Mitch. Doing great, guys. Uh, excited for spring ball to today and, and BYU hoops in action. So it's a, an eventful March afternoon. Happy to be on. Yeah, we'll get to that stuff. Uh, are you a Zier? A Generation Z? What, when were you born? I'm a millennial, 1988. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So, so as a millennial, you know Weird out well, I'm sure. Yes, I know Weird Al. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know Weird Al. Some of his, uh, some of his tracks. I, I've listened to Weird Al over the years. Man, 1988. Boy, those are good years. That was a good year for music too. <laughs> Scotty was knee deep in chicken and pig poop by that time. <laughs> Wading through it. You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> Watching a little short circuit too. <laughs> No. I, I, yeah, actually, 1988. Yeah, no disassemble. Uh, what? So you kind of grew up on 90s music. Was Nirvana a big thing for you in high school? Probably not. What was the big thing in high school when you were going through high school, Mitch? For, in high school, for me, it was the Usher song. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Usher was big. Um, I'm trying to think of some other. Did you say Usher? Yeah, Usher Raymond. Uh, you got it bad. <laughs> you know usher oh, oh usher the yeah. r&b guy yeah oh yes kanye west was a big thing uh when when i was uh in high school 50 cent those, those were those were kind of the the big artists i, I like kind of hip-hop and uh r&b that's that's kind of my my jam when it comes to music I, i'm not necessarily the hard rock guy. i like soft rock uh, I like some old school like Chicago oh, uh, soft rock. I always enjoy some of that, but, uh, so, but yeah, those are some of the groups when I was coming up. So, Mitch, Scotty's first dance at his wedding was the theme song of <laughs> Land Before Time. Uh, you want to uh, my, you, you want to compare? Mine was the theme song from Fox and the Hound. I'm not even kidding about this. Scotty's theme song, his first dance was Land Before Time. Okay, let me let me back up the story here a little bit. So Hans had told me that his first dance was for Fox and the Hound, Best of Friends. Best of Friends. Yeah. And I mocked him just <laughs> nonstop, nonstop, until my wife texted. She's like, hey, do you remember our first song? And I didn't. 
I didn't remember it. <laughs> and it was the land before time. What was the? I don't. I, it's like I. I'm sure Lloyd has it. It's got. Hey, it. well, we don't need to be playing no, this. No, Mitch needs to know. Mitch, no, Mitch. The the last thing Mitch wanted to hear when he came on the air today was like, "Hey, what was? I wonder what Hans and Scotty's first dance were at their weddings." Do, do you have it, Lloyd? Because it's it's a great first dance song. And by the way, I don't even think there was a first dance. I think it was just played in the background. Well, because there was a lot of dancing. Okay, but it's romantic. And it's so stinking cute. Actually, I think this is it. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Mitch, picture Scotty dancing to this on his first With the old step, step, slide, step, step, slide. The vibe just seem immaculate. Yeah. Oh, it is a good song. I'm not even laughing at you. I'm just having fun. fun because Fun with me. Huh? I, I want to be in my wife's arms right now <laughs> and have her leading and me just following along. With my head on her shoulder while I danced to that. Uh, Mitch, what was your first song and your first dance? What was it? Uh, first dance for my wife and I, our song was, it was Lady Antebellum. Uh, I, gosh, I, I Need I, You I, Now? I, yeah, I think it was, I, I don't, well, actually, I don't think it was I Need You Now because my wife didn't need to do a last call at the bar to find me, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> um, it's two uh, o'clock and I'm already <laughs> drunk and I need you. I can see Mitch doing like, I yeah, baby. Well, that, that hits home. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I can't remember which which one it was. It was Lady Antebellum. She's probably going to be upset that I don't know it, but uh, it was the Lady Antebellum song. I love it, Mitch. Those are good things. All right, Mitch. Is BYU basketball done enough? to give you a little bit of momentum or a little bit of faith that they have some momentum going to the Big 12 or do they need to win tonight against St. Mary's? I think they would need to win against St. Mary's. You know, I think beating Portland and LMU isn't enough. And, you know, I think that, you know, Mark Pope, this team's been underperforming. There's no doubt about that. And I think that it's been a subpar year by BYU standards. I think Mark Pope knew going in, that the misses that they had in the transfer portal, the Antoine Davises of the world, the the Shawnees who ended up at Missouri, those were some big misses that had they got those guys, we're talking about probably a different BYU team, a, a BYU team that looks more like the group that they've typically been in the West Coast Conference, a second or third place team. Uh, so when they missed out on those guys, it, it, it really changed the dynamic and uh, but the standard, as Mark Pope told me before the year, should not ever be lowered at BYU. There's a high standard of winning at BYU, and to not have, you know, potentially a 21 season, that's that's a letdown. So uh, you, you got to win tonight, and if they can win tonight, I think that gives a little bit of some positive vibes for for the program going forward. I mean, you think back to 1990, the last 33 years, BYU's only beat two ranked teams in a conference tournament one of which was against St. Mary's uh, five years ago. So it doesn't happen often when they beat nationally ranked teams in these tournaments, but uh, a huge test tonight, and they got nothing to lose because, you know, it's, it's, uh, no one's going to expect them to win. If they could pull it off, it would be quite the victory for Mark Pope's crew. So do we look back at Mark Pope's decision to put Dallin Hall on the court and take Rudy Williams off the bench? Do we look back at that as a, a turning point for the negative? And here Rudy is now back on the court as a starter, and things have kind of shifted. How much do we look back at that decision and and maybe judge it? I, I look back on that and think it was the right move because Rudy Williams was just a turnover machine uh, to begin the year. I mean, he was you know six, seven, eight turnovers a game. It was it was it was rough early on, and you know it showed the fact that Rudy Williams didn't arrive 
until mid-September on campus. And I think that a late arrival really kind of put him behind the eight ball to where there was a slow start for him. And there was no chemistry with the team. He was just kind of running aimlessly to run an up-tempo attack. And it was reckless. So I think it was the right move. And and I think, too, that, you know, Mark Pope's always – it's a unique dynamic, too, when you got a guy like Dallin Hall. You want to give him a lot of opportunities and a lot of run because regardless of what happens this weekend, you know, Rudy Williams is going to be gone after this year, and Dallin Hall is going to be a piece of that future, at least you hope, because you just never can bank on anything being guaranteed in college sports anymore with these guys and having the transfer portal and NIL. You you better make sure that they're happy, Uh, and roster retention is going to be huge for Mark Pope this offseason. So I think, you know, part of that has to be the fact that you want to make sure Dallin Hall is happy with his role and that he knows that he's going to be used in a way that at a high volume uh, to be a big piece in the Big 12. So I think, I think it was the right move. And I think, you know, it's worked out right now, too, going back to Rudy Williams because uh, he kind of felt a little bit more comfort level and he is a senior and it still worked out to the point where, hey, Dallin Hall knows he's, he's a future piece. Uh, But in the moment, Rudy Williams is the guy that needs to kind of carry BYU in this weekend. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So how much of a roster turnover do you think BYU would like to have? I mean, is there is there going to be some hard conversations about, look, we have to open up some spots and we need to be better from a talent standpoint? Or there's some guys that might be encouraged to look for playing time elsewhere? I think that, you know, you, you lose Gideon George and you lose Rudy Williams. I'm sorry as my That's dog That's a goes, big dog. <laughs> what do you have there? Mountain dog. I'm sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. That's a what's his name? What's his name, Mitch? I have a Bernice Mountain Dog. I my apologies there. What, what's his name? Uh, Scout. Oh, okay. Scout looks like it sounds like the size of cocaine bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scout's a Scout's a good sized dog. She she uh, protects the house whenever someone comes to the door, but. Uh, uh, yeah, she's she's a good dog, but but yeah, as, as I was to say with with the roster, I mean Gideon George and, and Rudy Williams are going to be gone. Uh, I think you know you then you look at maybe trying to open up two or three more spots. I think you need about you know four scholarships to really make an improvement with the roster. Uh, you know you want to keep. I think the key cornerstone pieces to work with or work around are Fusini Triori, Dallin Hall, Jackson Robinson. Uh, you get Trevin Nell back, a, a sharpshooter who's been out this year with a shoulder injury. Uh, he's He's been practicing. He's fully recovered. It's just been a decision where he's opted to redshirt. And so you, you've got some pieces to work with, but you got to go get a proven big 
in the portal, and that's easier said than done with how competitive it's going to be. But I think it helps that BYU's got an NIL, and I think it helps, too, that Mark Pope has been in the NBA. He's been a big man in the league. He's, you know, he, he's, he's had success with getting high-end prospects before in the portal. Now he's got an NIL collective arming him, and maybe they can pull out a, some magic and, and get a, a big man or two out of that portal because they need it desperately. Their size has been a real issue where it's caused Triori to be out of position. But I think four, four spots uh, you know, is kind of the sweet spot I look at. You get Jake Walleen back from a – he's a heralded freshman coming in next year, a 6'7 guard. So they got some options, uh, but they got to get some size in that front court to go with Foose. All right, talking a little bit about spring football. So Scott and I opened up with a spring football segment, and I was looking at it this morning. Actually, I've been kind of looking at spring ball and coming into it for the last week, and I sent out a tweet to kind of back and verify what I said. I said, the way I see it, this is the most important spring ball in BYU history. Preparing for your first impression at the P5 level, finding and developing a new quarterback, installing a new defense with all new defensive staff, building out an offensive line that doesn't have Freeland, Barrington's, or Tukuafu. I think that, that this is the most important spring ball in BYU history. Can you debate that? Um, can you think of one that was more important? And what do you think of that statement? You know, initial thought on that, Hans, is I agree. Uh, because I think you're, you're 100% correct on that statement. Because, you know, you go back to the days of the Mountain West, BYU always knew its place. They knew where they stood uh, in that league. They were near the top of the, the food chain and as far as a brand goes in the Mountain West and the old WAC days as well, too. Uh, but in, in, in an independence, it was always, well, you know, BYU still doing a nice job carving out a role in college football. And they're, uh, you know, despite their limitations, they still got a pretty good team. I think everyone kind of, at times, sometimes made excuses for BYU because of their just difficult situation being an independence. Whereas now, you've got the Power Five affiliation for you've been waiting decades for it. The time is here, and I think the urgency is critical in this spring. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned on my KSLSports.com spring preview. I'm really curious to see kind of the urgency from the players in practice because I think one of the underrated aspects to this spring is the, the fight to kind of maintain your roster spot. Because this is the last offseason after, after this spring, when it's concluded, where coaches will have their exit interviews. And in years past, you know, Kalani and the staff have had hard conversations and have maybe nudged guys out and said, this is where it lies, and you're probably not going to play. And they could do that because they had year-by-year scholarships uh, in the program. Now, as a Big 12 member, on July 1st, everything becomes a four-year guaranteed scholarship. So you don't have that luxury to just kind of nudge out a player if they're not performing well. So you got to make sure to hit on all of your targets as much as you can uh, because these guys will then have more power, the players will, when it comes to uh, kind of determining their status within a program because they get four-year scholarships. So I think the, the urgency has to be kind of off the charts because I think it's going to be – uh, a little bit more cutthroat because each roster spot is so critical and so valuable because no longer is it a situation where BYU can't get guys. They can get players. It's still not going to be blue blood type status, five-star recruits. It's not going to be any of that, but there's tons of players out there in the football world that would love to be at a Big 12 program and have it be BYU. So 
the players in the program right now, uh, they have to have that urgency and show it, every single one of them, to earn their spot because there's so much jockeying for position to establish roles and to identify things. Uh, that, that, this spring is critical, and I think you're not uh, you know, overselling it at all. This is the most important spring BYU has had uh, is, you know, in, in their history because so much is on the line, and you have a chance to go into that has no set pecking order of the power structure. You can really make an impression in year one if you can be competitive and really lay claim to being a, a tough out in this league, but you know, it gets going here today with spring football. So what are the position battles you're keeping an eye on? What do you want to see or who do you want to see uh, from a group standpoint in terms of their ability to be ready when the season begins uh, in September? I think the, the running back position is going to be interesting. You know, Aiden Robbins, the UNLV transfer, he's got a uh, wrist injury. He had wrist surgery in January. So I got to imagine he's going to be a little bit more limited if, if playing at all, likely you know, unavailable with the wrist. So who are going to be some of those guys that emerge? Hinkley Rapati looked pretty good at, at the tail end of last season. Really good Juco running back years ago uh, that Jeff Grimes really liked when they brought him in. So he's a name to kind of keep an eye on for. Uh, I think that running back room in general will be uh, very interesting to kind of see how that pecking order stacks up because they got a heralded freshman coming in in the fall and L.J. Martin, who I think could be an impact player the moment he steps on the campus. And, of course, Aiden Robbins when he's healthy as well. Defensive line is going to be interesting. Aaron Roderick, you know, obviously said on, on, on these airwaves here on the on KSL Sports Zone that he feels it's going to be the most a more athletic offensive line than last year. But I feel like there's some real questions when it comes to the depth. You know, Kingsley Suamata'ia is going to be, uh, I think, an all-world talent. I think he could be a first-round NFL draft pick. He's that good. The sky's the limit for Kingsley. Connor Pay is going to be very good at center. Uh, where does Paul Miley fit? I think he's going to definitely be in the starting five. Where's he end up at the left side, right side at guard? Waylon Lapuah, who's going to be really good. Who's that right tackle position for BYU? I, I would give the early edge to Braden Kime. He was a guy that got some run early on in, in uh, Daryl Funk's time here at BYU in 2021. He started against USC and started in those games late in that season. So I would give him kind of the early edge. But I really want to see the depth uh, rounded out into form on that offensive line because I think it's thinner this year compared to years in the past. And on the defensive side, I think the, the battle it battles in the, the defensive line. I think that position group, the D-line, with the additions of Sione Puha and Kelly Papinga as coaches, that's going to be the most improved group in this BYU program. And I like the personnel that they have. I'm just really curious to kind of see how it all gets pieced together. I think Isaiah Moa, a former four-star from Weber High School, is going to be big time this year for BYU with that outside edge position. They get Isaiah Bagna from Boise State. Tyler Batty's probably going to be one of the leaders of this team at defensive end. Blake Mangelson, a former walk-on who Kelly Papinga's pretty high on uh, from Juab High School. And Bodie Schoonover from American Fork turned down Nebraska, Utah, UCLA to play at BYU. He's a redshirt freshman. So the D-line is going to be interesting. And I think, again, it's going to be – to me, the, the most improved group in this whole BYU team. It's an area that's got low expectations, but I think they can will come out of spring. That group's a lot better place than it was uh, a few months ago, and I think it, that's going to be a testament to Jay Hill and that whole defensive staff, the work they're going to put in if they can stay healthy on that defensive line. 
Mitch Harper joining us right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Mitch, always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for dealing with our nonsense Thanks, and hanging Mitch. out with us. Always a pleasure. Take care. There he is, Mitch Harper, kslsports.com, Cougar Insider. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.